went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So we look at three things Jesus is doing here. He's teaching in their synagogues. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And he's healing everybody. That's a killer ministry to have. <laughs> that, I mean, imagine. You're teaching. You're proclaiming the gospel. People are being healed. Awesome. Awesome. Now, chapter, we look at here, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the word. That's Jesus' words. Okay? And we're going to go ahead and explore those in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Matthew right now is writing. He's saying, this is what I'm going to be writing about in the next few chapters. Although Matthew didn't write in chapters. We did that later. But it's nice to think about that. So chapters 5, 6, and 7, we're going to be studying Jesus' words. And then in 8 and 9 are his works. And so we see he's, he's, uh, he's teaching in their synagogues. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom. And then that, those are his words. And then he's healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, we want to understand why did Matthew do that? Because Matthew, remember, from right off the bat, wants to keep shoving it down the reader's throat. This is the guy. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've all been waiting for. So let's get into it a little bit. Miracles happen on a kingdom level. On a kingdom level. What a miracle is, is when the kingdom of God manifests itself on earth. It doesn't make any sense at all. And, and I don't know what your experience is with miracles or with phenomenon or whatever. I have experienced some of the most bizarre stuff ever. And I had to look at my faith and look at the word and go, man, what, what is going on? Things that I myself have experienced. I won't even go into it or half of you guys would leave Leave the congregation right now. He'd be like, this guy's psycho, man. Uh, just weird, weird stuff. But it's a kingdom thing. It's God's kingdom that we're talking about. So we need to look at miracles from the standpoint of not a religious thing of what does your doctrine say about them, but how do they advance the kingdom of God? Where's their place in the kingdom? How is this going to establish God's kingdom here on earth? See, the Bible is not God's contract with humans saying, this is the only way I'm going to act. Now, I know I'm treading on thin ice here. You guys are going, wait a minute, okay? But, but just because something new happens that isn't totally uh, defined in Scripture doesn't mean God can't do it. We didn't say, oh man, sorry God, no, this is, I, I don't see it anywhere. What we have to do is look at the miracle and say, could God do it? Does it contradict his nature? Because he'll never contradict scripture. But he doesn't always have to act exactly like it is in scripture. He's God. <laughs> and I, I don't want him confined to my understanding of how I read the scriptures. If he wants to do something totally different... Do it. I don't want to stand in his way. So let's look at what's going on here. We're talking about these miracles happening on a kingdom level. The first thing I want us to see is when Jesus sends out the 12. 
Because we need to see where these miracles, what, when they happen in our own lives, because they will. I just gave you my last point, by the way, that uh, king, uh, miracles happen today. So you can just sneak that in, a little cheating there, okay? They do happen today. And when they happen, we have to ask ourselves, now how, can, how does this advance the kingdom? What's the big picture here? So you look at Jesus sends out the 12. Now, understand this is in uh, Luke chapter 9. And... Um, In verse 1, it says, Now Jesus had called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. That's pretty awesome. He pulls the twelve together and he says, Listen, I'm going to give you kingdom power, supernatural kingdom power, to drive out demons and to cure diseases. That's, That's awesome. Check out the kingdom here. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. It was all kingdom stuff. It wasn't just like, hey, this is going to be a great thing. We're going to ride this healing wave as long as we can. No, it was all about the kingdom. Miracles are about the kingdom of God. We have to keep that in the back of our mind. And and look at what he says after this in verse 3. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. It kind of reminds you what he says when he says, don't worry about all those things. Don't worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat. But seek what? The first, my kingdom. Don't seek the miracles. Seek the kingdom. These things happen on a kingdom level. They're proof of the kingdom, but they aren't the kingdom. They just happen on a kingdom level, a different level. So watch what happens. We jump to verse 10 in Luke, uh, in Luke chapter 9. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Verse 11, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about what? Miracles. No, (laughs) about the kingdom of God. And he healed those who needed healing. The reason I'm saying this is because I want us to be a kingdom-minded people. I, I, I want us to be a solid church that doesn't get caught up, doesn't just reject things as they come along, because there's that. There's, there's that temptation to just go, ah, they're just a bunch of fanatics. Maybe God is doing something in that church that looks different from Scripture. I am certainly not going to stand up here and stand before God and say, no, it's not. I know it's not, right? I want to go, hey, God can do anything. Let's see what happens with the kingdom, okay? So then, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 people, okay? Same, same uh, book, just a little later. And here's what it says. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. That's very important there. He sent them on ahead to every place he was about to go. What was he bringing with him? The very kingdom of God. Okay, so he sends these 72 out. Remember we talked about John the Baptist being a herald, saying the king is coming? Same idea. They're going out. They're operating in the power of the kingdom of God to prepare people's hearts for the kingdom. We'll get to that a little later. So everywhere he was about to go, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Again, you see the way Jesus is looking at life? Man, he looks at it like a kingdom. Man, people's hearts are ready. 
We, we, can, we can establish the kingdom here. They will have a relationship with God. We need workers. Go out. Operate in the full power of the kingdom of God. And then I'm going to show up at those, at those things. Now, verse t- uh, 8. We'll jump to verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat uh, what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. These miracles hap- happen on a kingdom level. So what happens is they go out and they do this, and they are pumped when they come back. You can just imagine. Imagine if the Holy Spirit anointed you with a gift of healing. Either you have it now, or for a time, or whatever. And you lay hands on someone, and it is like, bam! That is awesome stuff. So you'd come back pumped, right? So they did. They, they come back. They're like, they return and the Lord, uh, they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Totally. I would be absolutely freaking out. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I had given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Okay, so we, he, I mean, Jesus is just like, this is the kingdom, man. It's here. Verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What does Jesus do? He says, the miracles are awesome, guys. I saw Satan fall like lightning. You think you saw something great. I saw something even better. I saw the damage we did to Satan, and it was kill. It was a knockout punch. It was great, but it's all about the kingdom of God. These miracles, all they do is fuel the fire of the kingdom. It's not about the miracles, although they're awesome. We have to keep our mind on the kingdom of God. Miracles happen at a kingdom level. Second thing is, miracles show God's glory. They show God's glory. One of the reasons Jesus was performing so many miracles is because it proved his deity. It showed his deity. That's why Matthew deals with it right away. Okay? We also see... In John, if you look at John chapter 2, verse 11, we're talking about uh, he turns the water into wine. Now, why did he do that? Why did he turn the water into wine? Uh, This, the first of his miracles, miraculous signs, Jesus performed in Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Again, it wasn't Jesus just doing party tricks to try and get attention. The disciples were like, man, this guy really knows what's going on. That was what the church was going to be built on. It was vitally important for Jesus to do this, to keep showing them this is real stuff. This is the kingdom. It shows God's glory. He, uh, do you remember the story of the paralytic? We've talked about this a couple times. Jesus was teaching. His, his, his ministry wasn't healing. It was he was teaching. And the Pharisees were there. And, and he was, uh, it says right here, I don't know if it, if I have it up there, um, in verse 17 of Luke chapter 5, it says, And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. So you get the sense that sometimes Jesus was healing and other times he wasn't. It, w- it wasn't that everything, every time he walked into a room, everybody was healed. Okay, so it says the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. So what happens is this, this paralyzed guy, he can't get in to see Jesus because there's too many crowds. And so they, his friends rip open a roof. One time, I, w- I was helping my friend roof a house, and um, 
I will never do that again. That was the scariest thing. So I can't imagine like being up there. I guess they were flat roofs, so maybe it wasn't a big deal. But every time I picture this, I always picture somebody on somebody else's roof just like making a big hole in it. That would frighten me. So they lowered this guy down, and he says, Oh, man, you're here. Great. Your sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees were like, Wait a minute. You can't say your sins are forgiven. Look what happens in chapter 24, uh, verse 24 of Luke 5. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. See, again, for Jesus, the most important thing was that his sins were forgiven, not that he was healed. For Jesus, the most important thing was the kingdom of God, that there'd be one more person in relationship with God. They go through all this work, and Jesus is like, oh, man, you have faith in me? Your sins are forgiven. Jesus was satisfied with that. And the the, uh, Pharisees are like, what are you talking about? All right, you don't think I can forgive sins? I will prove to you my deity. I'll prove to you that I can do that. Get up and walk. Again, bringing the kingdom, showing God's glory. In John chapter 10, it's not up there, but you can see the tension of Jesus' words and his works. There there were some people going, this guy speaks like a demon and he must have a demon. And other people were going, yeah, but how, how can that be when you see all the things that he's doing? There was that tension to show Jesus' uh, uh, um, power there to show his deity. Remember when John was in prison, John the Baptist was in prison, and he was going uh, to be beheaded, and he sends his disciples. And he says to, they say, hey, John the Baptist probably doesn't have too much longer. He wants to know, are you really the one? Now, isn't that that amazing? John the Baptist knew Jesus was the one. He says in John that he said, he saw the Spirit fall on him like a dove and said, behold, the Lamb of God. He knew it. And yet, when you're about to be beheaded, don't you kind of go, oh man, this better be right. (laughs) This better be right. That's encouraging to me. That even John the Baptist, who was crazy for, for God, lived out in the desert and ate all sorts of nasty stuff, yet he had a doubt, right? And this is what Jesus says. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. Listen to this. And the good news is preached to the poor. It's not just the wacky miracles. It's the kingdom of God. It's the gospel. It shows my glory. And then he ends with this. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. It's me. It's about me. My glory, my kingdom. One of the greatest things is in, um, well, let's, uh, yeah, in John chapter 10, I think I have it up here, yeah. Um, But if you do it, uh, uh, but if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand what? That the Father is in me and I in the Father. It says again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. (laughs) I love those because I always picture Jesus just like, you know, jammed through. But I'm immature, so there you go. Uh, it also shows God's power. This is a great story. We've gone over this as well. John chapter 9. He went along and saw a blind man from birth, and his disciples asked him. Now, his disciples were going by the common thought of the day. 
Okay, this is one of the things we have to, when we look at miracles, we have to be careful. What do we all automatically presuppose? And here's what they said. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? (laughs) I wonder how many times I go to the Lord with fully confident of my perspective. And I go, Lord, you know that I, and he's just going, dude, you are a moron or a Greek word for moron, or whatever he'd do to make it sound more spiritual. He says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The work of God might be displayed to give God glory. It's a kingdom thing. And so miracles are not only a part of the kingdom, they show God's glory. Thirdly, it's very important that miracles should accompany the gospel. Miracles should accompany the gospel. The idea for things to happen in the power of God and the kingdom is so that we can then proclaim the gospel to people. It's not just to make our lives more comfortable. Man, Lord, my elbow hurts. Ah, oh, thanks. My elbow doesn't hurt anymore. Woo! Let's go. That's not it. When, uh, do you remember, you know that story where Peter is going into the synagogue and he says, uh, or the temple, and he says, silver and gold have I none. There's a beggar there. And he says, look, I don't have any money, but I'll tell you what I do have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Well, the people freaked out. You can imagine. They knew this guy. He'd been around for a while. So he helped him up. So this great miracle happens. And Peter says, everybody, why why does this surprise you? And all of a sudden, we go down to verse 19, and this is what Peter says. Repent then. And turn to God. A miracle just happened. A guy was, was totally lame, and the power of God came in and healed him. And so what's your response supposed to be? Repent. See, when miracles happen in our lives, this is a perfect chance to, to proclaim the gospel to people. Someone says, how did this happen? Oh, it's a miracle. He was healed. God still heals today. He still interacts with people today. Here's here's how you can have a relationship with God. That's his point. Repent then so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. That's Peter's point from the miracle. Miracles should accompany the gospel. When great things are happening to you in your life, share it with people. Tell them what Jesus is doing. Acts 4.1. You can see why the, this is why the priests were upset. And the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. See, they're sharing their faith. They're sharing the gospel. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Somebody gets healed and they're upset. That's great. See, miracles are a sister ministry to the gospel. For me, I get nervous when miracles become a separate ministry and they get isolated. And so all of a sudden, there's a miracle ministry that isn't connected to the rest of the body of Christ. Now, again, I'm not going to stand up here and give you a list of people I think 
aren't faith healers or are faith healers. I, I think we're all adults here. Even, shoot, even our youth are adults when it comes to being able to discern uh, spiritual things. And so I'm not going to do that. But I get nervous when I don't hear the gospel. Here's the power of God or things happening, but there's no gospel there. I think the gospel need, it should accompany uh, miracles. Listen to what John says at the end of his book. John is the, is the, the, the gospel of John gives more miracles than any other gospel. It's pretty cool. John's really into these, these miracles here. And why is he? Why does John love miracles? Well, he says why he loves them in John chapter uh, 20, verse 30. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Why did John write about all those miracles? So that you'd be saved. So that you can hear the gospel and go, man, this guy, this is, this is kingdom stuff. There might be another kingdom operating outside of our realm. Maybe it's true. Miracles should accompany the gospel. Miracles should accompany sound teaching as well. Miracles should accompany sound teaching. Let's go back to uh, Matthew chapter 4 uh, in verse... Uh, 23. Remember what Jesus is doing here. I want to I uh, make sure we don't lose this. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Okay? Jesus, there was sound teaching that Jesus was doing. He was preaching the good news. There was the gospel there. Jesus was establishing his kingdom. He was bringing glory to God. He was teaching. He was preaching the gospel. And there were miracles there to authenticate what he's saying to give credit to what he was saying. So Jesus was in the synagogue, and he's preaching the good news. We see this in, um, uh, with Paul. Paul goes to Lystra with Barnabas, and there's a man crippled in his, uh, at his feet. And he'd been crippled since birth. Again, I love these because everyone knows about it. Now listen to what happens. He li- this is the, the, the man who was lame. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. See, Paul's there teaching, and the man is listening, and he's getting it. He's beginning to understand, man, this, is, this makes a lot of sense to me. And this is what happens. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. See, the teaching began to transform his heart. And he began to say, man, God can do anything. He had faith to be healed. And he called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Paul wasn't there healing. He was there teaching. And healing was taking place. And then we remember the people of Lystra had come in, and they're like, they called um, uh, uh, Barnabas Zeus and uh, Paul uh, Her- Hermes, I think it was. If you're going to call me anything, don't call me Hermes. I don't, don't want to be called Hermes. But because Paul was the one talking, that he was the, some god of talking or whatever. I don't know who Hermes was. But uh, they, they tried to, like, worship him because they only saw the sign. They didn't get the teaching. They just got the sign. That is a very dangerous place to be in. If you're jumping from place to place looking for the sign, that's dangerous. Look for the teaching and let it, then you can begin to look at the sign and go, yeah, this is awesome. Okay? I'm not saying that uh, 
where there's sound teaching, there's no miracles. And where there's no sound teaching, there, that's where all, there are all the miracles. I'm not saying that at all. Okay, I'm just saying that miracles should accompany sound teaching. They give all of a sudden all this credit. What's going on? And then it gives the person a chance to go, this is it. This is the kingdom of God. Listen to this in Acts chapter 19. I know we're going through a lot of scripture, but they're all stories. So you guys should be all right. Acts chapter 19, verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue. Now listen to this. And he spoke boldly there for three months. Okay, so Paul enters the synagogue and he speaks boldly for three months, arguing persuasively about what? The kingdom of God. Here we go again. You starting to see a pattern here? But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He and the disciples with him and had discussions daily. Where? In the lecture hall of Tyrannus. So they were teaching in the synagogue. They rejected that. So they go into this temple, into this uh, hall of Tyrannus. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's an, ins- uh, it's an inside joke with me and my wife. Uh, you know, I'll let you in on it. So I was telling Lisa about the hall of Tyrannus. And I said, if he was speaking all that time in the hall of Tyrannus, I wonder if his throat became Tyrannosaurus. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> oh man. I I have a friend Kevin. He's a pastor and so we call each other up and say how did the sermon go? I can't wait to tell him I got booed. That'll that'll be awesome. Oh, it went great. I got booed. I was talking about the kingdom of God. It was awesome. <clears throat> They're really growing in the word. Uh So he's speaking in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. (laughs) Oh, gosh. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, what? Heard the word of the Lord. Now listen. So here's Paul preaching the word of God, teaching, talking about the kingdom. And in the very next verse, 11, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. We can't separate these two. They're interwoven together. When the kingdom of God is there, the gospel's there, and sound teaching is there, that has to accompany miracles. God did, ex- uh, did extraordinary things through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that, he had touched, that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. That's unbelievable. It's a miracle, Right? Some people try to emulate that today. I don't know if it works or not. But the miracles need to be accompanied by the gospel and sound teaching. See, Paul's ministry wasn't healing. Paul didn't have a healing ministry. Now, as we see here, Paul could touch aprons and handkerchiefs and they could be shipped off and people would be healed. But that wasn't Paul's ministry. Now listen, please hear me on this. Because I I really want to get across, I'm not coming down on healing ministries at all. I'm not saying that they don't happen today and just because someone's on television. None of that. Some people have fabulous healing ministries. But what my point is, it has to point to the kingdom. So Paul has the most amazing healing ministry ever documented outside of Jesus, and what's he doing? He's teaching. 
He's proclaiming the gospel. If you have the gift of healing, use it so that more people can come to Christ. I was talking before. This is all part of the gifts of the body. It's, it makes me nervous when an arm goes, disconnects itself to have an arm ministry. <laughs> right? What happens? It dies. It has to stay connected. One of the most important points here is miracles are regulated by the Spirit of God. Miracles are regulated by the Spirit of God. In Romans 12.1, it says, Since we have gifts that differ, saying we all have diff- differing gifts, according to what? It's the grace given to us. See, we're given gifts, but most importantly, we're given grace. Most importantly, we're given the Spirit of God. It's not the gift that's that important. It's the manifestation of the Spirit. Look what it says here uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the most famous sections of Scripture about gifts. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. That That is a good description of the kingdom of God. The same God who works all things in all persons. That's the kingdom. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I cannot overstate this. I've I've made this point over and over again. When you are given a gift, you are literally given an appearance, a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Think about that. What an amazing opportunity. If you have the gift of teaching and you use it, the Holy Spirit is showing up right then. The kingdom of God is right there. If you have the gift of healing and you use it and someone gets healed, we look at that and go, oh, wow, that's awesome. But the same goes for any of these gifts. If you have the gift of encouragement and you write a note to somebody and encourage them, the Spirit of God just showed up in your life. That's incredible. We can't miss that. That has just as much miracle potential as me praying for you and your leg growing back. It's the same spirit. So listen to this. For one, for the one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. You get a word of wisdom? That's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's that's unbelievable. To another, a word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith. Man, there are people in this church that have the gift of faith. As that's exercised, the very Spirit of God is showing up. To other, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To, other, uh, to another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to other, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. Now, I personally believe that all these gifts are alive today and can operate in the church of Jesus Christ today. So um, I know that there's a school of thought that believes that just the crazy ones, those were just for the early church to do exactly what I'm talking about, authenticate what they were saying. I don't believe that. I believe every single one of these gifts is alive today. Now, do we see them the same way as, as we used to? Well, obviously we don't to a great extent. And I don't know why. I have no clue why. But I know miracles happen. I've seen, I've seen them happen. 
I've seen people lay hands on people, and, and they are flat out healed. So I know it happens, but it doesn't happen the way it happened with Paul. It doesn't happen the way it happened with Jesus. And I don't know why, and I will refuse to say, I think I have an idea. It, I am, God can do whatever He wants. And if He all of a sudden pours out His Spirit uh, tomorrow, and churches are doing crazy stuff, I'm going to stand back and praise God for it. I won't, I won't stand in the way of that. But I will look through the Word and try to see, is the gospel being preached to the poor? <laughs> is, there a, is it a kingdom thing happening? Are people coming to Christ? See, here's the thing I want us to understand. Again, it's the kingdom. So when you exercise your gift, you're given the very Spirit of God. My question to us, church, is not why don't we see miracles the way we used to see them? Like, but why don't we see people who are totally without anxiety? Why don't I meet people, more and more and more people, who aren't locked into materialism? Why don't I meet husbands who completely lay down their lives for their spouses? I mean, if, if we get this manifestation of the Spirit, if we want to see it in gifts, I want to see it in this church in our lives. That's the manifestation of the Spirit that I want to see. Because here's what I believe, to some extent. <laughs> For the most part. No. Here's what I believe, and I'm not going to try and just pound on here. I believe that the more we operate in the fruit of the Spirit, the more we'll see the gifts of the Spirit. So I believe when we begin to exercise self-control and we have patience, and we have unconditional love for people, like Jesus did, like Paul did, that that opens up an avenue for the Spirit of God, okay, to do greater and greater things. But I know in my own life, a lot of times I cut off the Spirit because I want it my own way. I want it with my kingdom. I'm exalting my kingdom. And I want God to just, you know, like, kind of put in little glimpses of His kingdom when I'm good and ready for it. And God says, no, seek first his kingdom. And when you do that, all this other stuff will be added unto you. That's what I'm looking for. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, for even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body Though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were baptized in one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. I love that word picture of drinking in the Spirit. When you're thirsty, when, you're, when we've tried to operate on our own life, we just drink in the Spirit. We say, God, what do you have for me today? Maybe it is a miracle. I mean, we, we, we started the stream, which is our quarterly newsletter for our church. You can get a copy of it out on the... There's been a copy put in all your uh, um, uh, mailboxes. Thank you. Uh, but there's also some on the back. And what we're going to try to do is... This is our first one, and we're going to try to develop it just to kind of talk about what's going on at Living Springs so that if you're a visitor, you can get a quick of what happened the prior uh, quarter. So we're developing it right now, but the, the article this month uh, written by Sharon McDonald is a, 
100 million miracles or whatever. It's like looking, instead of looking for the big miracle, let's look at all the different ways we're drinking of the Spirit. To me, to be honest, the greatest miracle I've ever witnessed, other than the one I'm going to share with you at the end of service today, is a certain marriage I saw restored. And for me, that has, I have drank from that well many, many, many times. This marriage should never have continued. And not only did it continue, but great, great ministry things have happened from this couple. It's all part of that same spirit that we drink from. We saw Riley just a couple months ago be healed. And, and the problem is with today's science and all this stuff, we, we, we can go, yeah, but, but she had medicine. It would have been better if, if she'd not had the medicine. And then, you know, you know, have you ever done that? Oh, it would have been really cool if it's the same spirit. <laughs> God chose to do it that way. Maybe to test our faith and to go, well, who are you going to put your faith in? Medicine or in God? It's the same spirit. There's no magic formula for healing, for miracles. Lastly, miracles happen today. <laughs> they happen today. Wacky miracles happen today. I have experienced bizarre, wacky manifestations. Okay? Now, I don't push them. I don't seek them. I don't go run into wherever the latest thing is to hop on a plane and go somewhere across the globe. But I certainly don't judge them either. They happen today. Listen to James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. Is any one of you in trouble? <laughs> Anybody here in trouble? Next sentence. He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. It shouldn't phase us that we see people healed. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Oh boy, here we go again. We can't get away from the gospel, can we? Man! Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You see, you see how all that fits together? We pray for one another. We confess our sins to one another. We don't want anything getting in the way of the Holy Spirit doing something miraculous in our lives. But we're one body. That's why I love small groups so much. Because we come to church on a Sunday morning and we get here and no one's going no, no to stand up. Maybe they stand up and say, hey, I just wanted everyone to know uh, I got a problem with pornography. I just thought everyone here should know I want to confess my sins to one another. Right? That, no one does that here on a Sunday morning. But they might in a small group. Well, when that happens, what have you done? You've begun to give a channel for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. We've gotten the sin out of the way. So we lay hands on each other and we anoint each other with oil and we pray for each other in faith and we confess our sins to one another. It's the kingdom of God. As we love each other, as we operate in our gifts, the very kingdom of God shows. 
up. I wanted to leave you with one last thing. This is Paul again. Now remember, Paul could ha- send hankies out and people would get healed, okay? And Paul had an unbelievable healing ministry, but he writes something very uh, interesting in 2 Timothy. He's right at the end of his ministry now. And he says, Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus. What? Why would Paul leave anybody sick? Did he not have enough faith? Did he what? I have no clue. But he did. Somebody was left sick. Even with Paul and his unbelievable ministry, he left somebody sick. Why? Because the Holy Spirit regulates miracles. I want to share one last thing with you guys. I want to read a, uh, a letter I read uh, back in January of uh, 2006. And uh, we were talking about uh, Melissa Logan. Um, I don't know if any of you remember. If you want to go to this next slide, I think it's, she's up there. There she is. That was taken in, in 2004. I'm going to read exactly what I read to us uh, in 2006. On January 8, 2005, our family fell victim to a head-on collision that radically changed our lives. We all seemed to be all right with the exception of our oldest child, Melissa. Though not immediate, over the days that followed, the unspeakable saga our family would face began to unfold. Melissa incurred some type of nerve damage that has left her in pain and causes bouts of agonizing screaming if someone as small as a, something as small as a hair touches her arms or legs. Though uh, through doctor after doctor, uh, they seem to be unsure of what is causing Melissa's hypersensitivity. Our lives continue to include endless visits to neurologists, pain specialists, surgeons, primary care doctors, and physical therapy, to name a few. Our daughter, who should be enjoying her first year of college, is, living, uh, is on the living room couch, often under a homemade tent that won't even allow a blanket to rest upon her painful skin. If you go to the next slide, you'll see Melissa with her family. And that little blue, that blue stripe that comes back, that's their homemade tent. So she... she, she, she wasn't able to have anything touch her. Soon after this, the seizures began. After I returned from church one afternoon, I saw Melissa having a violent seizure with my mother helplessly at her side. She had probably 30 seizures that day, each lasting anywhere from one to four minutes. Her seizures are so violent that it takes two of us to restrain her and uh, prevent her from hurting herself. She also has had several occurrences where she sounds like she is choking and she cannot breathe. She had a nerve stimulator that was decreasing the pain in her legs, but incurred an infection, had to have it removed, and the infection treated. I'm going to skip down here. Although we don't know what the immediate future holds, we do know who is in control and are relying on him. I'm telling you, the Logans have one of the most kingdom-minded perspectives that I've ever seen. In church on Sunday, I was again reminded that God never wastes a hurt. His desire is for us to become more Christ-like, and sometimes suffering is a tool to accomplish His purpose. I'll admit, I still don't get it and probably never will, but my desire is to be obedient and faithful while trusting uh, Him with the rest. On November uh, 3rd of this year, uh, I'm I'm sorry, September 3rd of this year, uh, about a month ago, uh, we received this email Hi, everyone. First of all, I know this is on my dad's email account, but it's actually me, Melissa, writing. Can you do me a favor and go back to the slide previous to that? Yeah, that's much better. 
The pain returned to my arms and legs on August 18th, and though I really don't remember it, by August 26th, mom and dad say I was about as low as they had ever seen me. Then on Thursday morning, August 30th, mom took me to be evaluated by a new doctor for an inpatient rehabilitation program. Dr. Lawrence is a Christian, and within moments of meeting him, he asked permission to pray for me. I agreed, and he prayed a powerful prayer of deliverance over me. He then suggested that I attend a healing service that evening at his church in Fontana. What a wacky doctor. Uh, Later that afternoon, my grandparents arrived at our house, bringing the gift that our friend, Wendy Ellis, had prepared. Some of you had been keeping secrets from my family and me. There were so many words of encouragement, a beautiful music vase, and a very large check to help with my medical expenses. I was overwhelmed with the love and gratitude. Thank you so much to all who contributed. We went to the church for the healing prayer time. After waiting almost three hours, my parents and I were asked into a prayer room with two of their volunteers. They each prayed deliverance from the pain and asked God would use me to tell others about his love. They get it there at that church. While they were praying, I felt the terrible pain leave my body and a huge burden with it. I cried tears of joy and knew God had healed me. As we walked out of the building, I remember being in awe of God's goodness and grace. I know that many have been praying and supporting my family and me so in many ways, uh, in so many ways through this great trial. Tonight, I just wanted to praise God for what he has done and thank you for your part. Though I'm not in pain, I'm still very tired and weak. My appetite is also diminished. By the way, when I share my good news, many of you have responded with a joyful, are you serious? <laughs> As each day passes, I'm feeling a little stronger and I'm looking forward to more normal life. Please continue to pray for me and praise God for me for his healing in my life. Thanks and God bless you. As of today, Melissa is still pain-free. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you for this miracle. Lord, I pray that it would be close to our lips, that we would share the good news of your kingdom, Lord God, that not only did you deliver her from the pain, you delivered her uh, from a life without you. We thank you for that, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we would be a people that look for your miracles, Lord God, no matter how small, and we're ready to proclaim the kingdom of God to all those around us, that there would be one more soul that would understand and come to saving relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in all. We are in all. We are in all.